Blog Talk Radio. Oh, okay. Never mind. 
Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm fueling fire where there is none. Uh, okay. I was like, what are you so, talking about? <laughs> let's, uh, but, uh, John, you brought up an interesting point, the international, um, uh, the international issues. Now, uh, do you, John Weeks, feel that the potential nuclear talks with Iran will affect the election one way or the other? Um, at this point, no. I think we're too far into the presidency and too close to the election to think that uh, talks with Iran are going to change much of anything. I think the major issue is Libya and how the president handled that. Uh, he's going to have to do some backtracking in terms of what he said over the last uh, month or so and what's been done in his administration. I'm sure he's going to be well prepared for it, but uh, it depends on how Romney also responds to that. So, um, Mm-hmm. As far as those talks go, I don't think that's going to have any effect. I think tonight's mainly going to be the Middle East, Libya, and mm-hmm. uh, pretty much the unraveling throughout throughout the Middle East. Uh, interesting term there. Uh, Michelle, uh, yeah. tell me how you felt about the binders full of women. Uh, <laughs> well, as a woman, I would never want to be objectified or uh, – <laughs> Or uh, definitely, or, or in, in any way diminished into being thought of uh, as a commodity or something that would be in a binder. Um, <laughs> uh, but you're so I small. Do you think I that felt, you could fit in one? I am very small. I could fit into a binder if the binder was a little extra big. Um, <laughs> but, however, uh, my my feeling about it was that you know I was watching the debate home alone in my apartment, and at first. I kind of it, the the comment kind of didn't sit. It didn't hit me until I started, you know, reading on Twitter. And I was, mm-hmm. and I went back and I and I rewatched it and I was like, he really just said that. <laughs> and not to mention that, you know, it'd be another thing is if if it was even true. It's not even true. Um, you know what? I think the story is that there is a it's a co- coalition of women's groups in Massachusetts, Mass Mass Gap or. And I might completely be that could be wrong, um, but mm-hmm. he went to him and basically said, "Here's all these right. white women, um, you know, let let's get them a job, you know, high up in your administration." And the thing is, he did hire a certain amount of women, but they did not have high power jobs in the state of Massachusetts. In fact, they were much lower on the scale, and the percentage of women that were working for him decreased over the time that he was governor. So. The whole, I, I, you know, I, I think that sometimes these things happen during debates and, and, and people get carried away and it became a whole thing on Tumblr. And I certainly posted a lot of pictures of women in binders because I thought it was hilarious. But I think, you know, <laughs> I think the root of the issue is that, you know, he definitely, in many cases throughout that debate, in many, many cases throughout this, uh, his campaign, has alienated the women vote. Uh, and that was just another example of, how he just doesn't really uh, see the bigger picture at all. Sure. Um, John, I want to ask you, do you uh, feel, uh, in watching Mitt Romney run for president and attempting to appeal to the very far right of his party, um, do you feel that he has compromised certain principles uh, of his, or do you feel like he's been steady uh, the entire campaign? Well, I think uh, he's walked a very tight line between the uh, far right and being a moderate. I think in the debates, uh, actually, I've seen him become much more of a moderate, much much more of a balancing act in terms of becoming a moderate. And actually, that's what's 
excited me about him. I um, mm-hmm. think the Republican Party going to, to the right was a bad idea from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what he's doing is is bringing it back to the you know to the middle and creating that balance where it didn't exist before. Uh, there are issues, of course, you know, such as abortion and whatnot, where he, you know, either flounders a little bit or he goes towards the right on those issues. And, and those, I do take issue with that in, in some degree. But I think in terms of the economy, in terms of spending, in terms of jobs, uh, in terms of just the financial well-being of the country, he's brought it to as, as moderate as you can get, really. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's the social issues, yeah, they're, they're, they're an issue uh, for some voters. But Right now, with the economy being the way it is, I think that's the most important issue on everybody's list. And that's that's what they failed to show on all the news channels. Um, they they talk about, oh, you know, the economy was 20%, 30%, and then they spent, uh, you, know, you know, another 20 minutes on some other issue of, of jobs or whatnot. The economy and jobs overall you know, is the biggest issue on everybody's mind, and it's, it's definitely on mine. So. Right. Now, um, uh I wanted to ask you, uh, John, also, I know a lot of Republicans, but I know zero social conservatives. And when I say that, I mean people who are, say, um, I, I don't know anybody who's against gay marriage, but I know right. a lot of Republicans. Uh, that's an example. Uh, I don't know many pro-life Republicans even. Is there, is there an internal identity struggle in that party because there's uh, they're all for less government intervention except when it comes to these extremely personal things. So uh, is, is there a disconnect? Um, and why is it that people that I know who are Republicans are so severely underrepresented on a national scale in the government? Well, I think that's a great question. I think that um – uh, right after about Bush's term in the uh, first election in 2008, I think uh, the Republican Party was kind of hijacked by, you know, um, ultra-conservative people who are allowed too much power. I think that was, uh, you know, if you had to point fingers, it would be Sarah Palin, it would be Rush Limbaugh. Those people almost became the talking points of the Republican Party, and mm-hmm. uh, that was the failure of the Republican Party. That's the reason why we lost. McCain did as best as he could to bring it to the middle, uh, but, you know, as, as – Candidates have to uh, succumb almost to popular pressure in a way, and the conservative voice was the popular pressure at that time. Um, now with Romney, I think we see a new enlightenment of the Republican era. I think it's a great thing to come back to the middle to be a moderate. But again, he's, there's pandering. There's always pandering, no matter who the candidate is, no matter who the party is. Um, do I think that uh, Republicans have to get certain issues straight? Yeah, definitely. I, I think Republicans are definitely not against gay marriage. I think they would rather just see that the states make their own rules and laws. You know, it's just a, right. it's more a debate of government control versus social issues. And, you know, you know, cause uh, it's, it's a, it's a people and a family thing and equality thing. And, you know, I think that's uh it's about a control. And I think that's what the Republicans have tried to make it an issue part again. Cause you know, I think we went on that issue. I think when you talk about people in general, no matter how they feel, people don't want more government in their lives. You know, and that's just, uh, I think, a general perception among most people. So um, mm-hmm. it's good to see that Romney is coming towards the middle. He's not totally there yet. But, uh, again, the social issues are a very tricky uh, thing to, to balance on, you know. 
Now, uh, Michelle, uh, just a reminder that um, Connor and Gregor are coming up uh, in just a couple minutes. Uh, hang on, guys. Uh, Michelle, it has come to my attention that not only is Mitt Romney um, against uh, gay marriage, he is not even for civil unions, and he considers hospital visitations a benefit and not a right among same-sex couples. Uh, what's your reaction to that? I think it's heinous. That's what I think. And I think that, you know, candidates such as Mitt Romney, and I, I know there's a lot of other politicians that are like-minded, I think that they need to join us in the 21st century. I think that, you know, it wasn't too long ago that a black person and a white person couldn't get married. And while some, you know, feel that should be a state issue, I don't think so. Um, you know, there's Canada, Mexico, there's so many countries in the world that have come out and said, let's make this, you know, a federal uh, federal law, so to speak, um, to, to legalize gay marriage. And I don't understand why it's, it's still 2012 and the United States of America is so hung up on religion and what, what other traditional family values or whatever that even means, um, that we can't let two people who love each other raise a family, live in a household, or even share of the benefit, so to speak, as, as Mitt Romney would say, of being able to visit a loved one or your spouse in the hospital if they were, if they were sick or injured or, or, you know, something worse. I don't understand mm-hmm. how this is still happening. The same reason that I don't understand how a Republican candidate or any candidate can, can not vote in favor for a woman to make the same amount of money as her male counterpart yeah. at the same job. This is sure. all stuff. And for me, I guess this might be political, but for me it's the difference between right and wrong. And, you know, and maybe those are social issues, but I, to me – they're the most important things because I think that well, they lay the foundation of what it says about us as a, as a nation. Right. Um, well, Michelle, Jonathan, um, you know, these debates thus far, do you have any idea how they've made me feel? <laughs> a certain way? Yep. <laughs> when you just don't know what you second debate mainly made me feel a certain way. Not necessarily because Obama referenced gangbanging or Romney talked about binders full of women, but because of that god-awful collection of ingrates they used to make up that audience. From the first schmovok with the how do I get a job question to the woman who forgot what she meant to ask about, that audience was a total disaster. Never was it more evident than when the, the infamous Lorraine stood up and said, um, president, looked down at her card, and said, Romney. I understand she didn't speak English, but come on. She didn't even know where she was. Despite the fact that she said president and then Romney, the pause between those words was so long, I thought I was watching a production of The Dumbwaiter by Harold Pinter. That audience, I mean, come on. You couldn't find a bigger group of tools at a Home Depot. 
the worst part was probably when that dumb ass got up and said, we were sitting around and talking about Libya. Nobody sits around and talks about Libya. And if you're going to start a conversation with the president of the United States, is that really the way you want to start it? Take a fucking acting class, Bruno. That's another waste of oxygen who deserves to be smacked over the head with a two-by-four and left bleeding in the moonlight. And if you're going to put together a group of people like that, don't put them up for display at an event that all the world can see. The rest of the world thinks we're dumb enough after George W. Bush. We cannot afford a Long Island audience full of socially anxious, politically unaware, bags of hot air who dried up on their mother's thigh, ruining it for the rest of us. These mouth-breathing, canning salon-frequenting, New York City-fleeing, suburbanite cave dwellers have got to shut it down and go back to losing their shit over Jets losses and Islander victories. Now, (laughs) I was born on Long Island. I know that there are much smarter people on Long Island. I wondered why they were not in the audience. Because they're not undecided voters. Right. (laughs) There were no smart people in the audience because the only people in the audience were undecided voters. Michelle, thank you for ruining the end of my monologue. Uh, and Sorry, that's, that's what I do, Ryan. I ruin things. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm glad you knew where I was going. Uh, we're running so late. John Weeks, thank you so much. Michelle Kinney, thank you so much. Hey, uh, let's thanks do for it again. Me, thanks for letting me be a pundit. Absolutely. Talk to you guys later. Take care. All right, take care. Bye, Bye. Ryan. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Michelle. All right. Um, now... My first guest's upcoming concert will be at La Poisson Rouge on November 4th, 2012. No, sorry, November 12th, 2012. Please welcome Connor and Gregor. Hey, Ryan. Sam, hello. Uh, are you both there, Sam and Derek? Yeah, both here. How are you guys? We're good. We're sitting on the side of the highway. We pulled over to talk to you. We're driving back from Maine to New York City, and um, Sam's wife and a producer friend of ours are inside. They're up having coffee while we chat with you. <laughs> All right. So from the side of the highway coming back from Maine. Um, I like it. Now, your uh, upcoming musical anthology, Island Song, is called A Developmental Reading. Now, I knew kids in grade school that were in developmental reading class. Is that what you're alluding to? (laughs) It's a little bit different. I don't know. The actors are a lot smarter. Um, Okay. uh, Yeah, it's it's the first first, uh, big concert we've done of this show, and this will be the first time that that the the piece in its current form will be seen. Uh, We've done developmental... Productions around uh, or, or uh, workshops uh, at some colleges around the country, and um, but but this is the first time it's being done in its current form, and uh, that's that's why that's why we're calling it developmental with professional actors. I see. Um, and can you tell me uh, a bit about what I, I read that this is about? Uh, five New Yorkers having a love affair, and I got really excited, and then I saw the dot, dot, dot with the city, and then I wasn't excited anymore. So, well, can't they be banging each other or something? Well, some of them are, actually. Oh, good. So, okay. So tell me what the what the show's about. It wouldn't be about New York if that wasn't an element. So, yeah, it's about, it's about five New Yorkers and uh, the, the struggle to 
maintain their identities when uh, when coming up against uh, all of the obstacles that the city uh, city puts before them, but and also all the opportunities that the city dangles in front of them. Um, it's really about um, the relationship between isolation and connection and the way that those happen so much at the same time. Mm -hmm. Ben has a lot of feelings, so we have to get it down on paper. <laughs> um, I guess that's a good outlet. Uh, now, you guys, um, uh, can you remind everyone, it's, it's November 12th, La Poisson Rouge, at what time? At 7 p.m. Um, 7 p.m. Tickets are, what, $15, two-drink minimum? That's right, $15. Uh, standing room is no minimum, and seated is a two-drink minimum. You can buy either kind of ticket on the, on the uh, Le Poisson Rouge website. Um, and I guess we should say that you can – the easiest way to link to that uh, website is through our website, www.carnerandgregor.com. And the first post on the website has uh, on our website has a link. That's C A R N E R A N D G R E G O R dot com. Awesome. Now, you guys have been nominated for some uh, national awards. The, the nominated songs were apparently in the special music material special musical material category. Is that related to the developmental reading? Yeah, the, the songs have to wear a helmet. <laughs> I see. Um, and your press release says, I Learned Song captures every urbanite's triumphs, disappointments, and ever-tested perspective. Um, does your show really capture every urbanite's triumphs and disappointments? For instance, do you represent, say, the serial killer perspective? That's... That's a, I guess it depends on why the serial killers are doing what they're doing. I mean, are, they, are they lonely? If they're lonely, then I guess. <laughs> I okay, so would you say that it's it's uh, so it's largely about isolation, loneliness? This this collection of songs. Well, the really really the way that isolation and uh, and connection happen at the same time so often. I mean, uh, so. You want to the first the first song that we wrote for this project is a song called Wall Lovin'. And this, uh, in my mind, this song kind of sums up what the theme of this piece is. Um, basically, it's this guy who just moved to New York City from Ohio, and he hear, he doesn't know anybody. He's kind of just kind of on his own at this point. And he hears the girl next door getting made love to very well through the wall. So he kind of falls in love with this, with her just kind of listening to her do that. He's never seen her. And then one night he's listening, and then it stops, and she, he hears footsteps, and she walks out her door, and she comes down the hall, and she knocks on his door, and he's kind of horrified, like, how did she hear? And then she asks him for batteries, and then he realizes that she's alone, and he invites her in, and then they pass wall of and onto the other, the other wall. But it's basically about the way that we're kind of right on top of each other and forced into such kind of each other's personal space but at the same time, kind of feeling like there's tremendous isolation sometimes, especially that I feel like it's kind of um, heightened because of that close proximity. And that's one of the sure. comic numbers that deals with that. And then there's a lot of non-comic numbers that do too. You know, sense of being alone in a crowd and sense mm -hmm. alternately of, uh, of being connected to people that, are, that you're not really right next to. Uh-huh. 
sure. And th- this uh, particular uh, anthology of songs, it's less of a, it's more of a, a concert than it is a, a musical. What's what's going on there? It's going to be a musical, but this first reveal that we're doing on uh, November 12th is a concert version. A lot of times at the mm-hmm. piece happens, it's going to be done in concert. The songs are standalone songs, many of which are already being done around the country by, you know, young singers and college students and such. So we're we're kind of revealing it in uh, in concert, but we're just really trying to reveal it, expose it to some of our industry friends, and then see if we can go from there and see a more kind of uh, staged version. Our director, Marlo Hunter, who's fantastic, mm-hmm. has a vision for this piece to be kind of done in an environmental setting. So maybe in the round or pretty uh, pretty cool layout for the piece with some other media. Awesome. Uh, sounds like it'll be very interactive. Um, Sam, you went to Yale. Uh, Pepe's, Sally's, or Modern? Oh, definitely Pepe's. Really? Absolutely. Why? Um, now, these these days, uh, these days, a lot of people. Um, for, for those of you who don't know, this is this is the uh, which, which is the top pizza place in New Haven, and. Uh, uh, my favorite has always been Pepe's, um, and I'm not going to get into anything uh, political about the election, but I will will state that particular prejudice. Um, and uh, though these these days a lot of people love bar pizza as well. Um, oh yeah. Well, I'm actually not such a huge, huge fan. I'll, I'll always go Pepe's. You know, I considered putting bar in that list when I wrote that question, and then I I did not. But it's interesting that you mentioned it because they got. I'm from New Haven. They got that um, uh, bacon and mashed potato and garlic pizza. That's just amazing. The mashed potato is just too much starch for me. <laughs> it is. It is quite a lot of starch. Um, I prefer Sally's, but that's mainly because uh, to me, Pepe's and Sally's kind of taste very similar. But I used to back when I was in high school, I was best friends with uh, the mayor's son. And we would go, and the the staff there would always make us cut the line. And his family would always say, no, we're not going to cut the line. But they would always, like, say, oh, come on, please. And they would always have a special booth reserved uh, for the the first family of New Haven, so to speak. So uh, that's I have that sentimental value for uh, Sally. Well, I, I guess can, the I owner. Can, I mean, I think Pepe and, and Sal were brothers. Really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Sally, I think, stands for Sal or Salvatore or something like that. Yeah. And they they were they were brothers, and they, they started up two pizza places near each other, which I guess explains why they taste similar. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Derek, tell me a bit about your songwriting relationship with Laura Bell Bundy. Well, Laura Bell was in a piece that Sam and I wrote as an actress, a piece uh, called Unlocked, which we're going to be doing off-Broadway next summer. Um, which we just found out. So we're really excited we're doing that with Prospect Theater next summer. So I met her that way, and we kind of bonded over the fact that we both love country music, and uh, we've both written country music, and now she's gone on to be, you know, a real big kind of country country name. But we um, we started hanging out a few years ago and, and writing some songs, and we continue to, to do that now. That's really cool. Um, um, writing with her, she's, um, I don't know, she's pretty... She's she's pretty deep and she's always looking for interesting stories to tell. So it's cool. Awesome. Uh, I want to play some some music while we have you here. Uh, 
Can you guys go ahead and set up the song uh, TMI? TMI. All right, so TMI, both of these songs you're going to hear, I guess, are from um, Island Song, the show that we're doing uh, in November. And TMI is for this character. I'm going to let Sam set it up. But this is uh, basically it's, it's Sam, Sam surrounds himself with a lot of interesting people so he gets some material to, to, to write about. And this is kind of a, a mesh of, of a, few of, a few of his friends and experiences that we've kind of had with them. That, yeah, that, that, that pretty much sums up how we how we uh we came up with the idea for this song. Uh but uh basically it's a song for this this girl who just wants to connect and uh is and and, and tries a little too hard. And this is this is her opening number. She goes through a whole development and arc over the, the course of the piece, but this is this is the number that introduces her. She's on a date. Let me just say one thing about it. So in the beginning of the song you're gonna hear about a place called Ariba Ariba, which is a real Mexican place. Um, in Manhattan, but originally the lyric was the Film Center Cafe because Sam and I were hanging out with some friends and uh, eating there, and one of them went downstairs into the bathroom and had relations with somebody and then came back up. So that's kind of really into the song. But then the Film Center Cafe went out of business, so then we switched it to Ariba Ariba, which we also think just sounds a little... It actually sounds better. A little better. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but everything basically everything in 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 a lot a lot of the details in this show is true. So it's just all the stuff that's around us and things that we do. Although neither of us had anything to do with those relations in the basement. Of the <laughs> there are definitely, all right. We definitely took some liberties with this song, but it's based on some truth. Right. Based on truth. Yeah. In, uh-huh. in the real, in real life, it was, it was actually sex, not a blowjob. But you're going to hear that. You're going to hear the tamer version. So why don't you uh, let her? Oh my goodness. All right. Uh, here they are, uh, Connor and Gregor. With TMI, we'll be right back with uh, Sam Carner and Derek Gregor. One resident describes her horrifying experience when she first realized the complex was on fire. Well, I woke up to go get me a cold pop. But then I thought somebody was barbecuing. I said, oh, Lord Jesus, it's a fire. <laughs> then I ran out. I didn't grab no shoes or nothing, Jesus. I ran for my life. And then the smoke got me. I got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. Was that was was that the right clip? No, that's no, that was that was not TMI. <laughs> I mean, little, okay. little different kind. <laughs> Interesting. Here we go. Here we back. What I like about you, Sam, is you're not up. Thank <laughs> you. 
hot. But not hot. like in a not like in a sexy way, but I just think like if he's if he's doing so good and people like his music. Yeah, hot. fair enough. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna take that as too hot for the beads. Uh how about Kate Doyle, hot or hot and mess? Derek, let's start with you. Hot. Hot. She's not interesting. She's actually like way, way more normal in real life and she's got this little persona. I don't know, I guess maybe if you're really waiting more she's crazy, but she's um I've always found her to be really together. To be pretty cool, so that's the thing. You see her, you see her character, and you come going for a meeting with her, and and uh, you don't realize that she's really on top of everything. She was a little messed up at the closing night party for for hot mess, so I might have to pull that back a little bit. But she was, in general, I would say, I wouldn't describe her as a hot mess. No way. <laughs> uh, listen, boys. I've known this girl since freshman year of college, and she is just as crazy as that character she plays. Whatever she's doing around in your presence is a complete act. Trust me. All right. So like a true star, she's learned how to pull it together. Well, I think she's a hot, hot mess. She's she's a little bit of both, hence why she's so good at, at that show. Anyway, we have two two hots for Kate Doyle. How about um, my, uh, uh, Miley Cyrus? Uh, Stan, let's start with you. Hot or hot mess? Oh, again, we're really out of my zone <laughs> of anything I knew about. But I'll go with, uh, yeah, sure, if she's doing as well as she is, sure, sure. I mean, she must be doing a lot right. Hot. <laughs> she pisses me off. I don't like her. You can put that on the record. She's a hot mess. Why do you think that is? Her voice, or is she just annoying? I don't even know her music, but she just seems, I don't know, she seems kind of bratty to me. I don't know. My, my, I don't, I do, the only thing I know is that my um, seven-year-old cousins love her, so... Really? Fair enough. Yeah. Whatever. I don't really like her. And I don't dislike many people, but I, she doesn't do it for me. <laughs> Last up on Hot or Hot Mess, uh, Mitt Romney, Hot or Hot Mess. Derek? Well, I I can't answer this because my, my views and the views of some of the people I know that are listening are different, so I don't talk any politics at all. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna say no no comment. I think I have to agree with you. It's different people, but uh, yeah. Interesting. All right. I'm not. Um, I'm not. Oh yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into it. But yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So um, we have. Uh, Two no comments on the Romney, two hots for Doyle, one hot, one hot mess for Cyrus, and two hots for Bieber. I'd say that's a a good score. Um, Before I let you guys go, uh, do you guys want to go ahead and set up uh, Make It Here? Is that it? Yeah, let me take a stab at it. So a few years ago, Sam and I did a concert with many people from the cast of uh, Hair, uh, on Broadway, we had the most of the tribe members. There was, I think, the 13 people that did that. This concert that we did, uh, we called it Buzzed, and it was all hair people singing our our stuff. And we met this um, this one performer when we did it, and he was telling us a story about how now he's on Broadway, and his father had never ever come and seen him, uh, even all the way through middle school, high school, all the, all the shows he'd ever done. His father had never come. So now he is on Broadway, and, and he might never be on Broadway again because that's how these things work. So he was um, going to contact his father to come see him, and we turned it into a song. And that's a song that, that kind of has resonated with a lot of a lot of performers 
you know, we talked to. This is also uh, oh, oh. This is uh-huh. the, uh, kind of 11 o'clock number in Island Song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been over the course of the piece, we've met this character before he had a Broadway job. And then once he gets his Broadway job, we see him kind of trying to build up the courage to talk to his father and, and let him and invite his father to come and see him. So it's, uh, it's really the culmination of a lot that's going on in the show. And this, uh, and this performance is, um, I believe, the one that you have. It's, from, it's done by Brian Crum, who's a dear friend of ours. And Brian himself is an amazing Broadway performer. He was in Next to Normal um, covering a couple roles. And uh, I guess we should also just say again, if this is, this is the end of our chat, that uh, uh, Island Song is happening on November 12th at 7 p.m. at Le Poisson Rouge, and that people can, uh, can find out more information, get tickets at, uh, via www.carnerandgregor.com. CarterandGregor.com. Please go to the site. Great. Check us out. Awesome. Uh, we are going to end there. I'm going to play your song when we come back. Uh, Malik Work will be on. Malik, hang tight. Um, check them out. CarterandGregor.com. Hit up their show on November 12th. Derek, Sam, thank you guys so much. Thanks, right. Ryan. Take care. Anytime. Take care. Bye, guys. Here they are, Carter and Gregor with Can't Make It Here. Be right back with Malik Work. Leggy girls all pulling 
with no amount I do will ever count for you. Come out or don't, but I've said it at last out loud. Twice the 11 o'clock number. So talented, Carter and Gregor. Uh, my next guest is a hip-hop artist-slash-New York City's lyrical giant who will be performing at Public Assembly in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, November 1st. Please welcome Malik Wood. Yeah, yeah. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? I'm doing all right, fellas. How you doing this evening? I'm doing all right. Sorry for the delay there. Uh, oh, let's no. talk about... Uh, Let's talk about uh, your background. Now, you go. You used to go, I don't know if you still do, by the, the rap name Dionysus. Is that right? Yes, I used to go by that for about 15 years. Now, is that uh, yes. because you're an actor as well? Because if so, that's brilliant. I am an actor, and uh, yes, I've, I've been in the theater since I was... Uh, Five years old, uh, but the name was uh, the name was even deeper. Uh, we started out in college with a bunch of friends, and uh, I was actually pretty true to the name. Quick story: We found a cat on the street, and uh, we brought it into our dorm, and uh, we decided we were going to keep it. We we're looking for names, so I'm going through my classical mythology book at the time, and I was like, oh, Dionysus, guys, this is us, the God of partying, theater, celebration, women, blah, 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 and so we picked a name for the cat, and then over the next couple of days, I got so jealous of the cat's name, I was like, nah, man, I picked it, this is my name now, and I rocked with it, and there's still a lot of Dionysus in me, but, uh, you know, I was a little bit too true to the name, uh, for a number of years, and it, it was just time to grow out of that because uh, my liver wasn't really forgiving me. <laughs> and, I hear uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of anyone, uh, a human being jealous of a cat before, but uh, yeah. I guess there's a first for everything. Um, <laughs> so, Malik, there are um, uh, a lot of the um, people that look up to your work um, and they're very uh, influenced by true true lyricism. Um, do you think that to a certain extent hip-hop has uh, lost a lot of its, its artistry recently or do you think it's, it's still well, pretty strong? Uh, yes, I can say, but I, I believe that it's the hip-hop that you hear. I mean, here my circle of friends in New York, I mean, I have some of the most talented, uh, deep uh, MCs as friends. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to, and, you know, maybe we're just, uh, uh, a fortunate select group of people, but I tend to doubt that. I tend to think there's uh, a lot of uh, deep lyricism in hip-hop as a craft but maybe not as a business because once it became one of the, you know, largest selling um, music art forms in the world, um, we, we began to be exploited uh, by our lowest economic, uh, our lowest common denominator, which is, you know, 
sex, violence, ignorance, and uh, competition, and materialism, and what have you. So I don't blame hip-hop, and I don't blame the guys that do it as much as uh, the way it's been exploited. Sure. Um, Now, you are releasing a mixtape called Work in Progress. Tell me about it. Well, uh, it is uh, just a collection of songs. It's not a uh, mixtape in the traditional sense where, you know, a DJ can cut it all together. It's just 11 songs that, uh, you know, were sitting around for a little bit too long on people's computers, and I've been taking ownership. Uh, My history is that I'm from a um, a live hip-hop band called The Real Life Show. We've been doing our thing, uh, you know, primarily in New York, but throughout the Northeast and the East Coast for the past 10 years. And uh, now the other primary uh, uh, member, the other MC in the band is in Berlin. His name is Stimulus. Um, And, uh, you know, I need to perform on my own and kind of take ownership of my own career because, you know, as we get a little older, our our, our priorities change. And what I found out trying to... uh, run a band for about 10 years is that, um, you know, it's harder to tour the world with uh, seven guys or girls, guys and girls, whatever, and, you know, the budgets don't open up as much. And, uh, yeah, so the band thing is my first love, you know, live Mm -hmm. instruments. And pretty much in New York City, uh, we were one of the first to really commit to that format. Years later, I found out how expensive it was to tour, how expensive it was to mix, record, and not even expensive, but just expensive in um, temporally and time-wise to coordinate uh, seven people to be on the same page, uh, you know, throughout a career, which, you know, it takes more than, you know, just getting excited with a few months with some friends. It really takes a lot of follow-through in a career, so... Um, you know, as uh, as I matured, um, you know, I, I realized I have to put out my own product so nobody else's schedule or nobody else's budget can get in the way of me sharing my music with the world because I realized that the, that first and foremost, that was my priority. I, I, I want to get my uh, voice out there. And have you been able to, uh, have you had to compromise, say, with the, Recording of of this uh, record, um, have you being that you're you're doing it yourself, your own budget, um, are, you know, is the is the music up to par that you're used to playing with live? Um, I I can say I have. I, I'm going to be honest. I have compromised just because uh, the level of musicians I've been blessed to play with uh, throughout my career is phenomenal. And that uh, just getting on stage and rocking, we've done tons of residencies in the Lower East Side, East Village uh, for the past decade. And the music that the music that comes out of that has been absolutely phenomenal and, to me, unsurpassed in a lot of ways. But I have to realize that me as an artist, you know, I started because I, I, I wanted to rhyme and I wanted to speak to people. So I don't always have to have this thickest groove of, 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 you know, the best bass player, drummer, guitar, a keyboardist, singer, violin, backup singers, and other MC just to, uh, to put my energy into the world and 
to let people uh, uh, know what I have to say. First and foremost, I want to speak. And so uh, the project is a couple of songs, uh, a couple of band songs on the project. Uh, I, I think three, I think New York City, and um, oh, what's the other one? I forget uh, at this moment, but uh, it's a lot easier when it's just me working with one producer. Uh, you know, people can, you know, come in and maybe lay something down on a track, but primarily, you know, like every, the direction everybody's moving, your computer and, uh, you know, uh, production uh, and post-production mm-hmm. rather than, uh, you know, getting everybody together in RPM studios like we did back in the day. And, you know, it just took a lot of coordination. We came up with a beautiful, timeless project. It was the real life show, the album was called Classes in a Session. I think we released it in 2004. Uh, we were on studio, studio distribution, and it was great. But uh, now mm-hmm. I want to myself to market and uh, and hip hop. That also is, I think, very important to the culture. That as you say stuff, you want people to hear it for three years later. You know. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Now. You're issuing the first ever interactive beatless rhymes project called Work with the Voice. Um, What does that uh, mean, and how is it different, say, from when uh, an artist like Jay-Z releases the Black Album Acapella? Uh, Tell me about this project. Um, Okay. Well, I don't know uh, how Jay-Z, you know, released it. I I know he did the Gray album, and I didn't know he released the whole Black album a cappella. But I just wanted yeah. to uh, turn the difficulty into a positive and open myself up to producers all around the world. And actually, at my shows more lately, since you know, uh, in the early part of my career, it was so connected um, uh, to a band and attached. To the music at shows, I realized people didn't always know uh, what I was saying. Even though you know I speak with diction and you know my voice is powerful and everything, but when it's just a bunch of guys up there jamming and playing their hearts out, and it's hip hop, a lot of hip hop are words, and you need to hear uh, you know what the MC is saying. So even at shows lately, I've cut out all the music, and uh, I've gotten a uh, a bigger and a stronger response, the response I want, which is people reacting to the lyrics and not just the flow and not just the musical quality of things, but the, the speech and, and uh, you know, the craft of being a wordsmith. I think uh, in hip-hop sometimes, you know, turn the beats off and, and really just hear who's who has skills, you know? Uh, is there a... Yeah, I had nothing to do with Jay-Z. I thought it was my own brilliant idea. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, only reason I know is because I had it. I had the Black Album Acapella because I guess so many people were remixing it that he figured, oh, oh well, I may as well get some money off of it um, and provide it officially. Uh, and, um, yeah, so so I would, like, be on my keyboard trying to make different beats to it. Um, well, anyway. he's a great businessman, obviously, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm – Grateful and thankful that I'm following in in his footsteps without even knowing it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, it's a a good act to be following. Um, We are almost uh, completely out of time, um, but uh, you have such a great 
radio voice that you must come back, and I have so much more uh, that I want to talk to you about. Uh, so I'd love to have you back. Um, in the meantime, do you want to go ahead and set up the song, your song about the ID, uh, Let's See Some ID? Yep, uh, Let Me See Some ID. I released it uh, with my boy Nicodemus uh, from Turntables on the Hudson. Uh, the Real Life Show is coming out with an album on his label very soon. It is about my uh, close to a decade working the door at uh, Low East Side, East Village Hotspot, New Blue. Uh, if you know New Blue um, or don't, visit them. Uh, it's where the Brazilian girls came out of. That's a band. Uh, it's not just Brazilian women. Um <laughs> Kudu, Wax Poetic, they're, they're, they're internationally known, and uh, the greatest musicians, artists have come there uh, throughout the years, and I've been fortunate to be a part of that musical family, but also just being a, uh, a door guy in New York, uh, you, you get a, a, cool, a cool perspective of, uh, you know, the social scene and, uh, you know, the guys and, and girls in it. And uh, this is just my little take, and uh, I actually wrote it uh, right at the door. Uh, and, uh, yeah, big shout out to those guys. I love you all. And, uh, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun working on that, that track because it was truly my life for a while. Sure. Uh, okay, so what we're going to do is I'm going to play uh, our listeners out with your song, um, check him out, uh, Malik's work at Public Assembly in Williamsburg on uh, November 1st at 10 p.m. There's a $10 cover. Um, yep. And I'm sorry, go ahead. Yep, uh, next Thursday. Uh, don't worry about the cover. Holler at me at uh, MalikWord.com. If you need to get on the list, I'll, I'll, I'll put one out. Uh, you know, I'll put you on the list, whatever. But uh, support oh, very if you nice. can. But uh, whatever, just holler at me. Because uh, I love everybody to come, and this is just me, no band, and um, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. Uh, sounds great, and that's very generous of you. Um, and uh, check them out, uh, MalikWork.com. Check out the uh, the Al the record uh, work in progress. And uh, sir, I hope you come back. It's it's been a, a blast talking to you, and uh, I uh, I hope I can make it out next Thursday. Thanks a lot, guys. I love what you're doing. And, uh, yeah, have me on again. we got a lot more to talk about. Definitely. Thank you, sir. Have a good night. All right, brother. Here he is, Malik Work with Let Me See Some ID. Malik Work on deck, behave wisely. In my position and I'm fitting in it nicely Upsetting my chemistry isn't very likely I make it rise, besides I get it lively You wanna try me? Let me see some ID It's a check license from the sky, please Yeah, let me see some ID You imposters aren't getting by me This is NYC, let me see some ID Malik work on deck, behave wisely You looking suspect, let me see some ID Nah, sorry, I don't know none of your posse And I don't care who's holding cause I got trees You got no market here, you and I spot me You wanna fit in smooth, you gotta watch me Sorry, what's your name, homie, remind me Matter of fact, fuck that, show me some ID Mm. Who told you y'all to come around me? Taking mental 
mental notes on how I crowd please Camera phone focus recorders on green Trying to kiss me out but your boy is too clean Who he? Never mind it's my scene And I don't trust no new face, nah I mean Scavengering off my chicks that old scheme That's why you ain't on my team, there's no fiend In my position and I'm fitting in the night scene Upsetting my chemistry isn't very likely I make it rise besides I get it lively You wanna try me? Let me see some ID It's a check license in the sky yeah, let me see some ID. You want positive? I'm getting by me. This is NYC. Let me see some ID. Who's that cat that's hovering too close? Breath all hot and extra verbose. And keep giving me times like we fam. And telling me crap like I gives a hot damn. On my Nino, what's up is I don't know you. And no, we ain't that cool. You can't just roll through. So smoke two times and pass that leaving. Poof, be gone with all the schmoozing and cheesing. Intruder alert. Switch most covert gestures. Secret after party, I'll just text ya. We love to skate on cats, New York Rangers. Cause round here we do not talk to strangers. Excuse me, but I'm not smooth with losers. I'm unfamiliar with those maneuvers. Henceforth, you want to come where I be. You're gonna have to show some kind of ID. You're gonna have to show some kind of ID. In my position, and I'm fitting in it nicely. Upsetting my chemistry isn't very likely. I make it rise besides, I get it lively. You wanna try me? Let me see some ID. It's a check license in the sky, please. Yeah, let me see some ID. You and Pops aren't getting by me. This is NYC. Let me see some ID.